What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Unfiltered Experience. It is Friday night, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and you are at your place where we have unfiltered conversations designed to move your perspectives, your hopes, and your beliefs about yourself and your possibilities for your future upward. I am Christopher Rausch. I am the No Excuses Coach, and I'm happy to be here with my brother from another mother. Scott Corliet, the Go Love Now guy. The Go <laughs> Love Now guy. How can oh, we go yeah. love now more, Scott? Let's go love more now. Dude, just got to lean into it. You know, the conversation that you, we had the other night with the group is very interesting. We were talking about, I always say love more, love more, love more. But uh, Chris and I were in a coaching group talking the other night, and it's interesting. So it was talking about specific virtues that we think are just, we want to keep doing more of. But it actually said, if we're deficient in love, we become selfish. And if we're excessive in our love, we actually become enablers. So I think what we need to do is we need to go love now but we need to be in balance with that. We had a great conference. We should bring that combo over here at some point, but think about that. We want to love, but we still want to love to a point of still holding people accountable. And that's, that's some true. place. Yeah. Not it. Like I said, I don't know that I'm always great at that. There's times where I'm like, just keep loving, but am I the ultimate enabler or am I the ultimate lover? Well, what's funny is yeah. I don't know if I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I told you this, but I ha I'm always loving now and I'm always serving people and I'm always giving, 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 but sometimes people take advantage of me. And so I had a situation last week. I'm not sure if I told you about where somebody was taking advantage of me and I, I went from go love now to go now <laughs> I went from, I went from being loving Chris to street Chris in a matter of minutes. And I had to put this person in their spot because of the way they thought I was enabling them to always come to me with their problems, but not come to me with their love. So there are certain times, like you say, in all seriousness, we have to have boundaries of what we're willing to accept as far as what people can take from us. Because if we let people keep continuing to take from us, then we have nothing left of ourselves. And then our, our identity is wrapped up in what we can give to other people versus really taking that time. when we talk about this on the show so perfectly is the fact that we have to take time for ourselves for that self-healing and to kind of lead ourselves into better situations and, per and perspectives that work for us right and it's not being selfish it is that self-love component so i love that you brought that up absolutely and self-healing self-love taking care of self is super important and i think that is an integral part of being an amazing leader um self-discipline self-love all that stuff self-care is super important the person that we're going to bring on today, I think, is really going to kind of resonate with everybody here, because at some point in our lives, we've been in a leadership role. You know, it might be a father. It might be uh, the older brother. It might be someplace at work that I'm the vice president of a certain part of an organization. And as soon as that title is removed, who are we underneath that? Or as soon as the strengths associated with that title are somehow skewed or shifted, who are we underneath that? And so the guest that we have here right now is somebody that when people looked at him, they see strong, they see he can lift a lot of weights, he can do this, he can do that. And a lot of times he was able to gain clientele or gain accountability based on the way people perceived him. But we know deep down it's knowledge, it's wisdom, there's so much more. But a lot of times people say, that person looks the part, I'll trust them as a leader. This person is going to show us how leadership is something much bigger underneath that because it's not just what you look. It's not just the part you're supposed to be playing or the title. It's so much more. So without further ado, I want to bring on my good friend, Khalil Sharad. What's up, Khalil? Thank you. Welcome Yo. to the Unfiltered Experience, brother. Happy to be here. Sweet. How are you? How's things for you tonight? You rock um, and roll? Yeah, I had a, I didn't have any people this morning, so uh, not too stressful today. Um, and I just got clients at five, so 
pretty relaxing day. Um, I've been going through it with the dentist and then the cancer and all this stuff the past like week. So it's kind of like a lot of people been out of town because of Labor Day. So I'm like, yeah, no, eight is seven a.m. <laughs> Let's just do all the afternoon. Kind of <laughs> let me get a little vacation too. You know what I mean? I love it. Uh, yeah. Yes. So, so to, so to back up a little bit, Khalil is an amazing trainer. He's got an incredible method that can integrate all different parts of training, whether it's balance, strength, power, put all that together. It's called the conjugate method. A lot of the pro athletes are doing doing it. You've got some great, uh, you know, NFL, I'm sorry, NBA, a lot of the basketball athletes. Um, and a lot of them would come to you and look at you and say, he's strong. He can do it. It's almost like a, hey, practice what you preach. I can look at you and say, I want what you're having. But mm-hmm. then you came into a few obstacles, one of which is one that either we all know about because somebody that we know has been, you know, um, facing it or dealing with it or ourselves dealing with it. And it's cancer. And so talk about that holding you back in any ways right now. How do you move through it? How do you deal with it? How do you still find leadership even when there's something that's is very real in your face, but you still got to show up every day and be the leader that you know you are underneath it all. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been rough just because there's, you know, there's times where I know I have an opportunity or I could reach out to someone, a team, a school, um, some pros. And, you know, it's it's been rough because it's like, oh, I could uh, double what I make right now, maybe triple what I make right now, but I know I won't even put myself in that situation right now because it's like, I don't know what's happening right now yet with the cancer. So it's been hard holding almost myself back, but for the betterment of my health and long-term health. And, yeah. and my, my wife, which I've been lucky to have, she keeps me in line with, hey, it's just temporary. We're it, right around the corner before you know it, you'll be back to fully what you, you want to do and being more in person with your clients. And and also future clients that you want to work with. But if you don't focus on your health now, you're going to regret it later. And you won't be to at least even have the opportunity to do that. So, you know, a lot of a lot of what I've been doing is focusing a lot of more on my online presence and doing a lot more online programming with my clients. So I already do like all the pros I work with already been just doing online programming with. Me. So I haven't been doing any in person, but it's been annoying where it's like, I can't even reach out or interview for some of these things because I don't want to ruin or the person be like, eh, but I do have cancer. Hey, I don't know what's going to happen next. You know what I mean? So it has been rough like that because I want to I want to step up, obviously, like any man would for their family financially. But I have to take a step back and and, you know, let my my wife take a lot of that role and and and, and a lot of my friends that have helped me out, you know, and stuff. So it, it's been it's been a hard transition, but, you know, that's why the the you know the group has been so big because I've always wanted to get into meditation and self-reflecting work and stuff like that because great athletes and great coaches I know of have done it, but I'm one of those people where it's like I want exact direction because I don't want it to be done wrong. I don't want to because I know as a coach, you can get one random video, but is that video actually applied to what you're ready for? Is it individualized and is it catered to you? If not, it may work, but not work to the extent it should. So I'm always like, it needs to be done right. So when, you know, our mutual friend, Adam uh, Renna, that I knew from Chelsea Pierce in New York, put me onto the group, I was like, I'm down because I want to see, you know, let's see if this works. And now this is something that I know that will benefit me for the rest of my life, even post-cancer. But I've already felt like the way I talk to my clients has already been from a better place now. 
Like I'm still a I'm still a person that came from a military father. So I'm still very hard on my clients. But I've always been like we're dancing and laughing within that session. But like now when I when I speak to them and I give them advice, especially with my younger men and stuff like that, like just I can almost it's almost like that outer body. That's the part where I've gotten that a little bit of outer body where I can see myself. It's like, okay, you're talking to this person, you're giving a better balanced approach. It's not just you need to suck it up shit. You know what I mean? Sure. So that's been huge. Even so it hasn't just helped me, it's been helping with the people I work with, you know, even though it has to be less and less than as many as I would like, because I've had to take a step back, you know, but it's, it's definitely something where I'm like, okay, this is going to be so cool when I am a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can vouch for Scott's program. I've been through it a few times and, you know, it is so important for us to really in, in those times where our life starts to take different, different shifts, if you will, for us to go out there and look for that opportunity to see things from a different perspective. And my question for you, if you're willing to answer it is what type of cancer have you been diagnosed with? Number one. And number two, when you first got that diagnosis, obviously I would imagine I've had a lot of friends of mine go through it. My family members are going through it right now. You know, there's that first moment, like why me and, and what's going on, but talk to us about that resiliency factor of being that fighter within yourself. Talk to us about how you started to shift your mindset and say, okay, this, this isn't a battle that I'm willing to lose. This is something that I'm willing to overcome. Talk to us about what, you know, what type it is. And then that, that mindset shift of being able to get that first diagnosis and then go, no, fuck this. I'm going to, no, I'm a warrior. I'm a fighter. This is mine. We're going to, this is going to take me to places that I didn't even dream of going. Talk to us about that journey if you will so i got um this was last year when i got diagnosed this was uh the end of august beginning of september i have hodgkin's lymphoma i have a medial sino mass in my chest so the benefit that i had um was that it, it still hasn't never has spread anywhere else and it's a cancer it's a blood cancer that attacks a lymph node so i didn't get any more you can get it in like your armpit your throat the groin which is the worst because yeah if they do chemo or ever they do radiation, that's the worst place you can get it as a man because you're likely to become an infertile after that is bad. So the good news was that it was in a good, I mean, as good as it could be place-wise, you could say. Um, and the way I got diagnosed, so they said it had been growing for six to eight months. So out of nowhere last year around January, I was like, I'm not PRing anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted a lot. And just, they said, this is a very common cancer in young men. And the reason why it only usually gets bad is because young men don't go to the doctor. So you can yeah. guess that's why it got to get so big. And they said because of my body being an athlete and being a, co a strength coach and all that, I was just really good at compensating. When I got checked into the hospital, my whole right lung was collapsed. I was I would walk for about 30 seconds to a minute and would be out of breath because the mass was blocking the fluid that naturally gets dissipated throughout your body, if that's the right word, and was pooling into my lung. I was also getting a I had a slightly, I believe, enlarged heart because then the fluid was pressing into the left lung and into the heart. So I had breathing problems, chest problems, chest pain. And then I, a lot of times I'd be like, I, I would I would be at work. A lot of people don't, because just because of the way I look, it doesn't look like I have cancer for a lot of people, especially when it first started. Like I would run to the bathroom and throw up sometimes at work after meals. And it was because the fluid was also pulling into my stomach. So I was having a lot of complications. When I checked in the hospital, we knew something was wrong, but they were like, oh, maybe it's because I got COVID. So maybe I got a little sick or whatever. And I remember when the doctor came back and he closed that door, I was like, guarantee you I have cancer. And when he told me, I was like, I wasn't even surprised. Like, I think just because like if I was at my place right now, I probably would have been crying just because I was a, I'm more accepting of that and not being weak. But 
I've just, you know, that's how we're, a lot of us are raised. So I was just like, all right. You know, and you know, like my wife was outside the door when they chest to me while I was awake, I'm yelling in pain. Some reason I didn't cry, but I was yelling in pain because I had like a rookie doctor doing it. So I don't know for people that don't know what they do chest tube and I had to do it through the ribs, through the side. They, they put a needle in you, make a hole. Then they put a wire through you to open it up. So it's going through between your ribs. And then they supposed to put a tube in to then suck the fluid out that's stuck in your lungs, right? The problem was when he first does it, he doesn't make the hole big enough. So then he had to do another needle to make it bigger. Then do the wire shit. So he's holding you, jamming a wire through you between your ribs. So it's like getting a little knife and going like this. Then put a tube through you. And then the worst part is when I was in the hospital when that happened for two weeks, because they have to slowly drain it out because your lungs could expand too fast. So they were to take all of it out. And then you could uh, go into, I don't know, cardiac arrest or something like that. You wouldn't be able to breathe. So like they, you're attached, the tube is attached to this like big rectangular thing. And just to put it in perspective, that thing filled up in a matter of like two minutes, probably in those two weeks, that thing got refilled like eight more times. So Boy. they have to wait to get out the hospital until it doesn't keep refilling. So it, Essentially, your lung is fully then expanded and the fluid's mostly out. And then I got my first chemo treatment when I was in the hospital. And then I was doing every two weeks uh, post that until this last April. They did a scan five weeks post that shit came back. So then now I've done it again. And now, like I've been talking to Scott, I'm going to be talking to another doctor because we're going to see about doing genetic testing and see what's maybe really causing the cancer for the reason why the chemo didn't work now. Also, I had switched jobs. I quit my job um, for a lot of reasons. Big main reason, toxic environment. The boss didn't really care that I had cancer. There was not really much support. I was still working 30, 40 hours. So my stress was high, extremely high. I was still working throughout. Like I would get chemo Friday and work Saturday, Sunday. Anybody that knows anybody that was going through that, I had to sit almost the entire session. Now, I train athletes and I'm really good at making my athletes coach to themselves. So they know how to set stuff up, bring stuff down. But I was literally sitting there feeling like I need to throw up. And that's just because of this. So um, and now, um, you know, I'm in a much better place. So the chemo actually hasn't affected me nearly as much. But I know I work half as much as I did at the old job and make more. So my stress has been a lot less because I'm not on my feet as much. I've been able to rest more, but also because I have a great woman beside me. Thank God. Um, because I'm not around family, all my family's in mostly New York or Florida. So, you know, it's really just us supporting each other. Mm. I think I answered a lot of the first question and I definitely went on, it's hard to try to condense that. And what was the second part? <laughs> it's like when your mindset, like going from that, oh my God, I've got this to what yeah. that shift was like, okay, now I'm going to beat the shit out of it. Yeah. And, and I think that's from, um, if, if anybody, like I would definitely encourage you guys, because I know you're not in sports, but you're still into working out. The West Side film documentary, there's a documentary. I actually interviewed the guy and he spoke it at my seminar that did the documentary on the gym. You, you see the mindset is a lot of what I've adapted. So just a bunch of badasses, you know, so and I've had friends that have had cancer. Another thing that helped me and the reason why I assumed it was cancer when that doctor walked in, because my dad had non-Hodgkin, same exact age, perfectly healthy. And then all of a sudden he got sick. Whoa. So when shit was going, the other reason I didn't want to go in the hospital, because I was like, that's probably what it is. I remember talking to my wife like uh this ain't good something's really mm -hmm. wrong because just like my dad i had no other problems he was even more in shape than i was and then all of a sudden get slapped with cancer you know so 
I was not surprised of it and I was kind of expecting it. So I was already when they were talking and I could see them, the doctors, when they're like, oh, we we see on the scan when they did the x-ray, there's a mass there. And I was like, it's good. So I was already before he told me I was already like, OK, all right, we, we want to do it. You know, mm -hmm. and the thing is, like the same reason I didn't die from it before I found out was the same reason I knew, well, I'm going to beat it. I don't know how long, how rough it's going to be, but I know I can handle this, you know, and there's little kids that beat it and there's old people that beat it. I'm 27 at the time and I'm in shape, so it's going to suck, but I'm going to beat it. Now, how long and how, how hard it was, you know, and how hard it's been, I didn't know that, but the good news, I have a cancer that typically doesn't kill you. It's just how, you know, how likely is it that you cure it? That's the problem, you know, will it go away, you know? And I knew my dad beat it. So I was like, not the exact same type, but like almost like the cousin of each other. So it's like, you know, I'm going to do it. You know, it's just how, how much is going to fuck me up. You know, like my dad never got his hair back, but he got, he got his weight back. He's big, he's much bigger than I was in his prime, you know, even after cancer. So I knew it's going to be rough, but you know, I, I can do it, you know? So thank you for sharing uh, that. Brother. But now with, with, yeah, no problem. You know, but now with the tools of Scott, I feel much more prepared and the stuff, the stress is lower. And that, and that's one of the biggest things The doctors don't know much about the training and nutrition, but they do know you got to keep your stress level down. You got to keep your stress level down. And I'm always like, and who's going to pay my bills? It's much easier. Just like if you're a crack addict, if you can afford one of them centers where you can stay there and not, and, and be at peace and sit on a mountain and meditate. But when you're a regular dude, trying to get ahead in your life. You don't have family and stuff to support you. It's just like, you don't like, like when we talk about like me and my wife want to have kids, it's like, dang, is it nice when you're the, when you're, when you're around your family and your mom can be the nanny for free? Number one, number two, it's someone you can trust. It's the same thing where it's like, I can't stay at some center where they're just going to take care of me because I can't afford $10,000 a month. You know what I mean? So it's like finding ways that you can hopefully keep those stress levels down has been huge. So Adding this, I wish I had this in the beginning because I feel like a lot of reason why I came back is because I was traveling during it. I got COVID. The stress levels were crazy at work. All that, like, God knows if it would have probably worked a lot better this time. Or, I mean, the first time around, if I had these tools, you know, so. So, yeah. so I want to ask you a question. It's something that we talk about all the time because everything yeah. you're saying resonates so much and makes so much sense. And whether, you know, whatever we're struggling with, whether it's cancer, you know, um, I can't pay the bills because I chose a major that wasn't a major that pays me a bunch of money and I'm in a mm. city. I mean, everyone's going to be listening to this going, well, his story is worse than mine and my story is worse. Like everyone wants them to compare, but here's the reality. Mm. A lot of us are in a space where we feel like we have to do more, do more, do more, do more. That amplifies mm. the stress. We get dizzy. With social media, it's even worse, right? It's even yeah. more. So it, it, it feels like as the whole world is telling us to be present and find the best version of ourselves, we're being yanked at so much, so many directions to do. So somebody who's a friend of mine, actually, I just saw a post he put up and I wanted to counter it and say something to it. And, and I didn't, but I'll share it here right now. He said, he said, you're not what you say, you are what you do. And I know mm -hmm. what he's saying by that. He's saying, of course, you know, take action on things. But yeah. all, all I see is do, 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 do. But listen, and this is what I want people to think about and I want to talk to you about. How is it that we can be the best version of ourselves, elevate in frequency, 
reduce that stress that's external. So our internal is at peace so that we can then do more by sharing our brilliance. Because I think we bat it out of order in this world. We're doing so much. We're totally exhausted. There's disease in here, disease in here. When realistically, if I clean this up in here, I'll have the ability to do more. So it's the fill your cup, take care of self, and then I can do more. So here you are in this world. You've been doing all these things. Now you're turning around saying, I need to fill my cup. Wife's supporting you. Other people are supporting you. Talk to people, whether it's cancer, whether it's trying to pay the bills, whether it's trying to have another child and pay for the next child. What do we need to do to fill this up while simultaneously having to do all this stuff? Because it's a balancing act and it's not easy. And I get that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I've had to take a step back because it's like, so like I started my seminar after like the first year when I started working at the previous job I was at. Right. So I do that. So planning that is, 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 is stressful. Like I did the, I did it this December, despite the week before I just did a treatment down here at chemo. So I traveled up to New York. We did the seminar. Then we're in New York and stuff like that. I have my podcast, which usually typically I'm doing at least one every two weeks. You know, then I have my in-person clients. Then I have my online people. And then I still got to hang out with my girl, you know, so what I've been learning, especially since I've been, since more and more I've gone through the, the program is that it's okay. I'm going to put this on the back burner, put this on the back burner and try to focus on making me, making myself a little bit better, working on my health and just doing a little bit less. And what the, what I've found though is a quality of those things are a little bit better because I'm not trying to constantly do. And then I'm stretching myself so thin because it's like, well, usually people are expecting me to post, like it used to be like, I used to have my max effort Monday. So I would post me lifting. And then every week I'm supposed to post a podcast. And then I was supposed to do videos about like doing the seminar. And then it's like, while, especially now, once I have cancer, it's like, well, what am I improving though on the most important thing right now, which is actually my health. So then I can do those things better. So it's just about, what I found is just prioritizing the most important things in my life the, the, or, and the people that matter the most to me, which means uh, not social media people, right? right? And then focusing on what can I do well right now and what's really realistic that's actually going to benefit me in the long run. Like if I'm doing these things half-assed just to do them and then people see that I'm still doing them, it, am I making myself happier? Am I doing it to my best ability? Why not do a lot less, do it well, and then focus on making myself internally better so then long-term I can help more people. And that's the other thing, why I've been able to and why I've still been able to stay strong and, and, and do relatively at least some parts of what I have been was doing before coaching-wise is because I truly have found the thing that I love to do. Like I always tell people, as yes. much as I love basketball, I had no problem quitting it because I – I was lucky enough to find my second passion, which is the passion. If you ask a lot of my teammates or buddies was always already there, which is being a coach. And I was also forced to do that because I was a play point guard. I mean, so you have to be the coach, but I was always doing, I started doing training on the side when I was 19, I'm going to be turning 29 this December. So I was always doing it. And when, once I kind of had my head, like, Oh, I kind of really love doing this. I want to own my own gym now, I think one day. And then I really enjoy seeing other people succeed more than I do. You can't be a great player. That's really what you want to, you know, I'm sorry. You got to be very selfish if you want to be Michael Jordan. 
right? <laughs> He's not a great yeah. GM and an owner for that same reason. He can't evaluate talent. He doesn't know how to talk to people, but he knows how to motivate himself, right? Um, yep. So, you know, what's helped me is that I, I have found great joy even in a lesser role still being a coach. I mean, I still get, you know, it's been unfortunate. I've had athletes that ended up staying at my old job because they're going through their parent. And, you know, it, it's just that third-party system. They they don't know the difference between me and another coach. They think it's the same. They don't want to, you know, uh, switch gyms or whatever it is. But privately, uh, whether their parents know or and their coaches that they train with, who are still my friends. I'm not friends with the owner, but all of us as trainers, we talk all the time. So that says a lot. You can already guess what that that's about, right? Hello. Um, but uh, I still get text messages from a lot of those athletes thanking me all the time that are, especially some of the ones at college, like, wow, I'm around other kids and I'm the only one that knows how to lift. And they're thanking me and they've been working with another coach for months. So, you know, that, that shows how much of an impact I've had in inside and out the weight room, despite me not even working with them. Some of these texts come out the blue. So that shows me that I've done a great job being more than just teach them how to lift. You know, a lot of it is teaching them how to be a good person, sure. you know, and that that is that and what has motivated me for fixing and getting myself healthy so I could live as long as I can and help as many people as I can. I want to be and I want to have the impact that like uh, a non-predator priest would have on as many people as he can. He's not <laughs> doing it for the money. He's not doing it for the wealth. And he's affecting as many people, especially people that I felt like were in a disadvantaged position or or didn't have the access to a lot and trying to help like do you know how much more i've 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 coached people for free now I said what what the hell am i gonna let this athlete sit by the by the side just because they can't pay fuck that i gotta help this kid what if i could be the one person in this person's life like i do you know how many coaches i know that say this kid may be rich but his father could be beating his ass every damn day i could be the one person in their life that could be their mentor you know or I could be the one person in that little girl's life that says it's more than just about the, the way you look. She mm. may be lifting weights. And then I say her daughter's going to lift weights because she's going to have that impact. You know, mm. and people go ebb and flows financially, too. I help them now. They help me later. They tell somebody about me that they know can't afford. It, it comes back to you, you know, so I've had a lot of ways to stay positive and say, hey, I'm still able to make an impact. Like through my podcast, I have coaches that sell equipment and say people heard about my stuff through your podcast and they may purchase you still have an impact coach because they know what i'm going through so they send me those little those little you know like we talked about the other day who's your energizers and it looks like different ways it's not just the cheerleader hip-hop hooray which i just, sometimes it gets annoying it's like sure. hey <laughs> you're still making an impact even if you don't know it and it's touching people you don't know and that's been my motivation to say you know what that means i can't i can't take a step back you know i it, it sucks. Like right now, it's like I haven't lifted. I haven't picked up a barbell in four weeks. I finally kind of let that go. And you know what's funny? I've been working on my internal. My muscle mass hasn't really gone down. But my mental fortitude is shot through the roof. And the chemo has not been killing me as much. And it's like, you know what? That's the better thing. I'm not worried about I got to put something up and be lifting so people can see how strong I am. I'm showing actually how vulnerable I am. And people are saying, ooh. Maybe there is a different way to go about, it, you know, so that's leadership right there. That felt good. Mm -hmm. Just like even listening to that, because as you say it, I can't help but sit in my own mind going, 
what would I do there? And I know the day you tell me I can't do something that's been my active meditation, whether it's basketball or lifting, when that's taken away for a minute, the first thing you do is freeze and you freak out and you go, uh, 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 uh. So yeah. for you to be able to take that shift and go, I'm going to do the inner work, that's an amazing example of leadership. I mean, talk more about that because this is what I'm seeing a lot of people do. We take one bad habit, okay? So we might drink a lot or do drugs or whatever our thing is. And we say, I'm going to go lift more. I'm going to go play basketball more. So some people are doing it for reasons. They say, I'll take this habit. And I'll just become addicted to that. Mm-hmm. So all of us have some level of addiction to the thing we love. But you brought up a very good point. You're not just doing it because it's an addiction. It lights you up. It's your passion. So when you see somebody else do it, it still feels good. That's how I feel with basketball. Mm-hmm. I can watch somebody else be better than me. I mean, I'll be covering somebody and I'll say, all you had to do is drop your foot here and you could have gone by me and laid it in. Why do you keep going to the right? I can't get there when you drop your foot down. And so you can tell someone how to beat you. And then when they beat you, like, oh, cool, that was fun. You know, (laughs) I know you get that. So let's talk about what that took and how can you inspire other people to realize we need to do the inner work. We need to be in that space of being. And even when we might not be in the identity that we thought was everything, me lifting all the time. I can still be a leader and still be strong. So what can that look like for someone else? Yeah, I mean, so I've always been the uh, coach to quickly tell you how that you suck at this, okay, and you're really good at that. So, you know, what I've been really focused on is, is like we said, that the success of the people I'm helping. Yeah. And then it shows, okay, look at, look, because, because like I had like one of my lifters um, that did a meet and it was about, let's say a month and a half ago. And I was at the meet with him, coached him through. And he did, I think his best squat in the comp, best deadlift in the comp. And his bench went okay. But when he posts about it, he's like, my coach, blah, 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 like been doing all this, been helping me despite like having cancer and all that. And it's like, that was more amazing than even the last time I competed. And it's almost like that felt like my escape, like it usually would be with lifting where it's like, man, that that was like an awesome day. That was one of the coolest days I've had because that same week, one of my uh, basketball players that plays in Switzerland has got like three or four other looks. He's been playing in this private run with Kyrie all that week. And then I had a guy that was a referral for one of my friends. He came in that week and trade with me all week that plays in Italy. And it's like, wow, all these cool things have been happening. Like we talked about in the group has nothing to do with what I physically could do in the weight room. And that felt better than than anything I had done personally with my own lifting. And I said, okay, so it's okay to, you know what, take another fucking step back. Just don't worry about the barbell on yourself for a while. Love that. And I've still been happy. You know what I mean? So it's like watching other people's success, but no matter what type of coach you are, how could you ever be a great coach if you're not like that? That's why like a lot of my like bodybuilding coaches that I look up to, they're always like, there's not one great bodybuilding coach that currently competes at the same time because you have to be so selfish. Your whole day revolves around you. So these people that are like, I'm I'm only taking three more clients and they're an active competitor and they have like 100 people. I guarantee you right now, those programs are not individualized. They don't have enough time in the day. You know what I mean? So to be a great coach, I think you definitely have to take a step back and your stuff has to be on the back burner. But the fulfillment you get when you truly do enjoy the success of others, that feeling tops anything I think you can do uh, selfishly for yourself. You know what I mean? Mm. So. I love that. I love that. I want to, I want to swift get, 
shift gears here for a second because you had talked about your lady before this. And obviously what we're talking about here is leadership and you're taking responsibility and a role in your life to lead yourself out of this situation by joining Scott's group and expanding your mind and your horizons. Talk to us about the relationship with your lady and what things you've had to adjust and, and take leadership role in in helping her process through this this time of grief. Yeah, so, you know, uh, so her name's uh, Andrea. We, she goes by Andy. She, uh, the findings hurt her dad and her stepmom, both surgeons at Buffalo General. So they're really smart people. So like a lot of times he's been even giving her advice and like looking over my scans and stuff like that. And then she's actually, um, she's actually in school right now. So <laughs> she's, she's like a lot of options, big bookworm, um, despite her being a trainer nutritionist actually herself. So we balance each other a lot, but she's going to be finishing now her master's in a, in a steadfast or something. I can't remember what do they call it? It's like a, it's a, oh my, it's a program where they shorten it. So it's, it's super intense, but so she's doing that to be a nurse practitioner. She also has a year left on her psychology degree as a master's program. And, and I think her bachelor's was in uh, psychology with a, with a minor in like exercise science. So she, wow. she, she compliments a lot what I do. So like all my clients that, that are trying to lose weight, like my regular gem pop people, they all do nutrition with her. To put it in perspective, almost all my coaches from my old job, at least a quarter of their clients do nutrition with her. And that's how good she is. So I hand, hand off all that, all that to her. A lot of the people like uh, Joe Dispenza and all the people that Scott uh, references that you guys talk about, she's been doing and follows a lot of their stuff, been telling me to do it forever, meditation, all that type of stuff forever. So she has been a big catalyst because she does uh, have a different mindset that helps compliment me and helps get me out of just the trying to be tough all the time kind of mindset. So she's been very supportive of me. And, you know, the funny thing is it's been, um, you know, kind of like that gender role. It's been kind of like almost fluid because like, I've been trying to help as much as I can. Like, cause when I'm sick, like when I'm like right now, especially cause I've been allowing myself to just be sick, like on the weekends after I have chemo or whatever, she pretty much does everything. I don't really move a finger except to go to the bathroom if I got a puke or shit. So she cooks for me, takes the dogs out all day. So like when I do feel good, you know, being that we don't have all the money in the world right now, like I try to clean more. I try to take out the dogs. I try to like, like the dogs usually go out four to five times a day instead of going half and half. Like we usually do. I try to do more of that. Or I try to, when she comes home, know that she, she's a clean freak. So I try to put all the shit away and not be lazy, you know, because a lot of times it's like, sometimes I just feel like, bro, I'm just going to sit and veg out in this front of the TV because I'm still affected four or five days after treatment. Even when I feel okay, it's still like I'm a little still like exhausted. I try to do the extra mile for her because I still know like a lot of times she's in a position where I know when I'm not here, she's crying. I know she's not in a good place. And that fucks with me like crazy. And it it, it sucks that she has to work more despite trying to go through an intense master's program right now. But in the long run, it's going to affect our business because when we own a gym, what Jim's going to be to say, we have a nurse practitioner that can, that can prescribe you medicine. She's coming from a mindset of medicine ain't always the answer. She's a nutritionist. She'll probably finish with her psychology degree and I'll be the crazy strength coach. <laughs> but right now we're trying to manage and do all that. Save for trying to, trying to position ourselves so we can save for a house, trying to balance the craziness of, okay, we sent our, my sperm to the sperm bank, but obviously we want to try to do it naturally because financially and trying to get pregnant is much better naturally. But that fear is still there because she's older than me. She, you know, so time is ticking 
I don't want to, you know, I'm going through that crazy mindset of fuck. It, this is kind of, it's, it's my fault, but it's not my fault. Obviously I can't control it. I got cancer, but we're both thinking it all the time. We know that, you know, so it's trying to stay positive throughout that, trying to support each other, despite on both sides, you know, they're not going to want to hear, it, even though they're going to hear publicly, our parents, we don't agree on everything. We don't get along mm. both sides. Our parents don't like that. We moved away. You know, her parents are in Buffalo. Minor New York City, but definitely did not like that we moved by ourselves to Atlanta. You know, like originally I moved down here because I was supposed to play semi-pro basketball 2019, trying out for a team. March of that 2020, guess what happened? COVID mm-hmm. happened. And I said, I'm done. I don't love this anymore. You know what I did four days a week in our apartment, in our little apartment? I lifted every day. I rarely touched the basketball. I said, probably not in love with this anymore because I know what it does take because I train guys that still do it. You know, so you know, really relying a lot more on each other and our very few, very tight, close-knit friends, it's rough. Then you throw cancer in there, that becomes rougher. When you have your most important people kind of rooting for you to kind of probably move back home and not stay in Atlanta, that's very rough. And I've always been a person that doesn't really hold grudges, doesn't really hold on to hate, but you best believe my bosses and owners of the old gym I was at not supporting me, especially when I first went to that gym looking to my boss as a mentor and then you find out people's true colors behind closed doors and then you got to transition when you have cancer that's all really rough not just on me but the both of us you know so um we're both very strong mental i mean willed people and all that but we have a very good communication between each other where like i push your buttons and try to say you need to tell me what's wrong like, oh, you know, five, five, ten times, you know, I definitely don't want to hear it, but I want to hear it, you know, and the same thing, vice versa, we try to keep those open lines of communication because we rely heavily on each other. So it's been rough on the both of us. But the good thing is that, you know, we're not religious, but we have a connection because like I've always been a person where I'm not an atheist. I don't follow any book, but I know there's something. Right. I don't know what it is, but I know it's something, you know, I totally get you. Um, so the added of this we can talk a lot better because we're more on that same frequency you know because okay yeah it, we gotta we know that we gotta fix the internal to help i mean to be better ourselves but then to help the people that we help out you know um i hope that answered it <laughs> no no thank you that was beautiful <laughs> thank you yeah totally chris you got something else no, yeah, I mean, that look in your eyes. We both have that look, and we're listening and processing. <laughs> you know, I mean, I could talk forever. You know, I talk about we talk about resiliency, and we talk about discipline, we talk about strength. What we're talking about here really is like doing our best. And there's so many people yeah. that we talk to every single day that, oh my God, you know, I'm doing the best I can. I do them the best I can. When realistically, they're not doing their best because they don't have enough leverage in their life. What can you say to people who are watching this broadcast right now? They're feeling overwhelmed. They're feeling stressed out. They're feeling poor me. They're feeling like everything in my life has has happened to me instead of happening for me. And in their situation, how do we teach people to sit there and find that greater fighter, that, that, that person within themselves that they know they can be? Because with the right amount of leverage, that fighter will come out. How can we ignite that into somebody before they hit rock bottom and find out what that true best is and finding that true discipline to be able to say, you know what? Why don't you get up in the morning and work out? Well, I'm not a morning person. Well, fuck that. No, you want to be a person that's on medications, you know, 10 years from now and going to doctor's visits. No. Okay. You need to find that proactive leverage now to say, you know what, guess what? I am a morning person. Guess what? If I do this maybe six months in a row, I'll become 
become a morning person and becoming a morning person is going to make me a more productive person and a happier person and a better person to my spouse and my better person to my kids. Talk to us about finding our best, like really finding that true grit within ourselves to say, you know what? I'm a fucking badass and I'm a warrior and I'm going to go whoop somebody right now. Okay. Now I will speak on that as a strength coach or as a trainer, whatever. I always tell people, find the actual time that works best for you that you're going to stay consistent and work out. Yes. I typically work out most of the time, middle of the day. Um, and a lot of research shows around that 10 to usually two, it's actually the peak time for learning new information or strength. Because like when it comes to look working out, you've had enough food in you, you've woken up, you're not exhausted. So like my senior year of high school, because my dad's military, he always works out 530 in the morning, five days a week. When I would work out that time, my workouts were shit. Didn't matter how much I slept because I'm a night person. I'll always be more awake during that time. And also for years of my life, guess when basketball practice was? Three to six. So why out of nowhere would I feel good at 5.30? So I would say just like any good diet, it's the one you stay consistent to. So if you're shit at 5.30, you're going to quit more often than not. Find the time that works for you. So I will say that because too many of us look to guys like The Rock. And Kevin Hart. And I wish I could brag about sleeping four hours, work out at 5.30, and I get it done. But you know what's going to happen? More often than not, I'm probably not going to have eaten well enough to, to have a good workout, slept well enough. Now, at the end of the day, if your body looks good or if you're hitting your physical goals, no one's going to be like, but did you do it at 5.30? No, did you get it done? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I will say that. Now, I think the reason why all the mental work that we talk about that we do the meditation all that stuff it's adding more tools to the toolbox you need more tools so then you have more options too many of the greats from different disciplines they have very much common dynamics like so louis simmons the one that invented west side i mean that was the creator of west side gym and and popularized the conjugate system here in america and uh and bruce lee you know what they're always adamant of the I'm going to take from this person that is great at this one thing and I'm going to yep. take all the good from it and throw out the shit that doesn't work. Just like we talk about our parents didn't, well, more often than not, I guess, taught you some things good, throw out all the shit that doesn't work. Yep. And then you apply it to yourself. And the more you can do that in different disciplines, you're going to be a better person. So there's not, like I said, Kobe, MJ, they all went to that guy, uh, George Mumford, right? And Phil Jackson. Well, they're the toughest motherfuckers on earth, but they can also meditate. Well, then why do people have this, oh, meditations for pussies or, or <laughs> that or that spiritual shit for pussies? But some of the baddest motherfuckers you look up to do it. But we just totally forget about that and all we focus on the thousand shots they shot a day. But then he meditated every morning. That, and okay, now I said don't, don't work out because you may be shitty, but a lot of times yoga or meditation work in the morning, you can do on – um, even when you are tired, and sometimes that may work you up. So a lot of the mobility work I tell my clients to do, do it when you first wake up. That's part of your training still too. And some of that recovery or mobility work will benefit the strength work at the end as well. Just like the, you improving your mental state. If I can do that uh, visual work of saying, of walking myself through that 800-pound squat that I want one day, and I walk it out, and I go up and down, okay, I go through all my mental checks, that's gonna maybe make it where I overcome the fear of just holding that weight in my hand or picking that weight off the floor that's stopping me. So I'm still getting better at the lifting without actually lifting. Yep. So that's something that you can do although in the morning and wake your ass up so you can get your job done. It doesn't have to, you know, just like I was saying with, uh, well, maybe I didn't say it today, but like when we said in the group, like 
the just like the medical approach, it needs to be individualized to maximize that person because we're all different. So as long as we are all lifting, doing some type of cardio, eating right, consistently over time, we're going to live better, have a better, uh, a better life, you know, and, and as long as we should all be meditating of some sort, we're going to have a better life, you know, unlike the doctors that are sometimes getting persecuted for calling somebody 400 pounds fat, and you're going to die at 50. It's a fact you're going to die at 50. Okay. But don't go balls to the wall, like in those crazy um, shows, and the person tears the ACL, because all of a sudden, they go from zero to 60, five days a week, I got to do it at 530 in the morning, or I'm a loser. And then they get hurt, and then they quit. Right. If they would have just die. said, I'm going to, yeah, right, or they die. And I'm, okay, I'm just going to start from zero, I'm going to start with one. And then one is kind of easy. Let me throw two. Okay, I'm going to start throwing, maybe I want to have chicken breast baked instead of Popeyes. Okay, you know what, maybe, maybe three to out of my five meals start looking healthy. And then before you know it, I can't go a day without eating healthy. And my one cheat meal a week, I can't go without going four to five days a week, but it took a few years to get there. But that long game, unlike what social media will tell you is going to benefit you long term, you're going to avoid the injuries, you're going to avoid the quitting, because you did it in a more efficient and a, just a practical approach, setting yourself up for success. Instead of saying, I got to do exactly what this person did. But it's like, you know, that person took 10 to 15 years to get to that point. Or that person was like me. Both my parents were trainers. I started lifting weights at 14 and I started doing some type of sport at four or five. I had the benefit of looking at my mom with who could bench 225 and my dad can bench over 400. Now everybody's raised in that environment. You got to take time to get there. Just like don't be the person that meditates every day. And a person like me that's never done it says you need to start with seven days a week. Fuck that, bro. <laughs> it, that seems like a hassle. But maybe once a, w- once once every day or signing up for a program yeah. like this where yeah. I have it guided so I'm doing it well yeah, and I'm not confused sense. on who should I listen to. Because just like with the trainers, there's a million trainers out there. Not everybody's actually qualified. How do I know who I should listen to? Well, if I go to leadfts.com, who was who created by Day Tate, who came from this gym, Okay, almost everybody he brings on is an elite level coach. I'm, I'm going to set myself up for, for success if I listen to those people. But if I go to every Joe Schmo that just got their NASM CPT, which anybody can memorize that shit in three months, probably not going to be setting myself up for success. You know, so it's just getting tools, more tools in the toolbox, finding the right people to listen to, and then just staying consistent and just keeping your head down and worrying about the little goals that add up to your big goal years down the road. But being okay with its years down the road and you constantly have to get better incrementally so beautiful beautiful scott any final questions final questions um i just want to make sure that you keep leading just the way you are so it's really just a comment i mean i love what you've been doing um keep it up everything that you just said today makes so much sense about how you can lead by example um i love the communication that you're having with what was your what's your girlfriend's name again? I told you. Andy. 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 So so like with Andy, like the communication that you guys are having is phenomenal. You're asking her questions. I mean, I think at the end of the day, like we both know, like when you're asking, is something bothering you? Is something bothering you? We'll sit there forever and not say and let that fester and then have that. Yeah, resentment. that fester shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that that right there should be a key to leadership. We talked about it last week with Guy um, Guy Berlando, who's on the show too. Phenomenal. And I really think that is a huge part of leadership is constant communication, meeting people where they're at, filling our cup first. I think you nailed all of it today. So thank you. Yeah, uncomfortable conversations 
with unnecessary clients and my own wife, you know, because I don't want, like, I don't ever want to be as much as you can, you know, everybody talks about it, but like, I grew up in a household where my parents were still getting down (laughs) (laughs) even still now, you know, we we talk, we joke about it, (laughs) but it's true. It's happening. You know? So like we, we openly talk about have those uncomfortable conversations, you know, um, and, and changing. So then we can hopefully be, especially in situations like this, where the more you have those uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversations at least between each other the more happy you can be you know and 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 you know i was lucky that i was raised with parents that were were always about don't settle because you'll regret in the long run i'm not trying to marry like we were together for seven years we just got married in july i'm not settling for someone that i don't say this is the exact person i want to be the mother of my children this is the person that when shit gets annoying when she inevitably gets on my fucking nerves that i can quickly say the hell we fighting about you know right. we and we've gotten a lot better on we if we get in an argument or we fight it's 30 minutes later we're like i just go up to her and make a joke with her or like <laughs> as soon as i as soon as i say man i was being a fucking dick let me be the one to apologize why that's why would i about. let that that's what it's about fucking, taking responsibility that's leadership you know, and, right and, there and i yeah. think i put in that post talking about you know people for joining the group it's like learning when do I need to use that natural testosterone, that anger out? Barbell, someone attacking my family. Pretty much outside of that, it's stupid. <laughs> Somebody cuts you off. Like you said, Scott, maybe that person was having a bad day. Yeah. You know what's funny? You ever, I, told, I told my wife this other day. I said, you know what? What if almost every time there's an accident or somebody cuts you off or somebody's not going fast at the light and you yell at them and like, fuck it, idiot, you can't drive. You know, every once in a while, you're that same person getting honked at. You're like, damn, I was just spacing out. What if yep. that's everybody? Every single I'm on my phone. I tell my wife that all the time. I'm like, oh, shit. What, yeah. if that's, what if that's just it? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And you realize I'm getting mad for no reason. Who cares? Who cares? Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. we're going to die, and it's going to be a blink in the eye, and we're going to be wherever we go, and like, and you talking to whatever the Lord or whatever it is, and you're like, <laughs> he's going to be like, or she's going to be like, or it was going to be like, you know, you wasted a lot of fucking time. You yeah, you're you're a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Speaking of time, we're coming up on time for the show, man. Where can people get a hold of you and learn more about you? I got the I got your uh, IG up on the screen for people who are watching this on the video cast, but for people who are on the podcast listening to this, tell them where they can get a hold of you. Tell them about going to your link tree and uh, what services and about your podcast. Yeah, so um, you can go on that uh, link right there. That's my IG handle, and there in the link tree, you can. Uh, watch episodes of my podcast, the Get Clean podcast, downloads from my seminar, the Conjugate Seminar, um, and then my book, The Basketball Player's Training Guide. So that that book, half of it is drills for basketball, and it goes over every position. It goes a little bit into my story and what I did, and then it, it shows how to warm up, how to recover, and what weight training should look like. I have actual pro 12-week programs in there for elementary, middle school, then high school, college, and then pro level and examples of what it should look like. So I kind of cover everything it is for the basketball player. Um, and most of those programs are, are good for, especially when it comes to the youth ones, it carries over to every sport. I don't really train my girls or between different sports at a young age, really much different because most of them, what do they need? They need to get stronger everywhere. That's really it. Um, and then just DM me if you're interested in training through that Instagram. That's pretty much where I answer everybody. Um, I'm not as good with emails unless the person is my actual client. Um, 
the same thing with obviously phone number, but that's the best place to reach me because I'm, I'm I'm on there pretty much all the time. So yeah. Cool. And then and tell tell the people, people on the audio podcast exactly what your IG is. Uh Khalil. So it's K-A-L-I-L underscore S-H-E-R-R-O-D. Um, same thing on YouTube, same thing on TikTok. Um, I don't I just don't really go on those as much because they're annoying to upload. And I'm already, I've always been an old person, a young person soul. So I hate, like, I don't have a Twitter because I'm like, bro, I don't, I'm not going to post enough. And I don't want to hear people talking about, they just went on a coffee run. I I downloaded one second, I deleted the Bradway. So That's Instagram true. is the best place to talk to me daily. And even if you don't want to pay for training, but you have, you need advice. That's the best place to find me. And um, you also can look on there to see my wife, if you're interested in nutrition. She's a baller. Um, she makes it super easy for everybody. There's no, you can't eat this or don't eat that. It's all about fitting your macros and just staying consistent over time and you'll lose the weight. Um, and that's what I, it's, it's always about how to make it practical. So the person sticks to it, you know, so yeah. she hates posting even more than I do. And I try to get her to post more cause she looks good and she knows what she's doing and she's a girl and you know, how on Instagram, you post one damn photo, they get 20,000 more likes than we ever yeah. do. <laughs> so I try to tell her, you need to do more because you're good at what you do and you look good. Um, you go. So yeah, that, that's the best place to find me. And you can see um, results and stuff for all my other clients because I, I post most of the stuff is on my pages about all my client success. So yeah. Awesome, Khalil. Thank you so much for being here on the Unfiltered Experience and, and I sharing come your back, vulnerable you guys, story. This was fun. Yeah, no, we appreciate you, man. We appreciate you and, and the vulnerability and the leadership and the tips that you gave. I know that's going to impact thousands of lives, millions of lives. Uh, so we're going to let you go. We're going to put you backstage. Don't go anywhere because we still want to talk to you after the show. But Scott and I are going to close out the show kind of like we opened it. But uh, thank you, brother, for being here. And we'll keep your link up so people can uh, make sure they get that. And then for people who are listening on the audio podcast, you guys can go to the show notes and click on that and find Khalil and uh, connect with them there. So thank you, brother, for being here. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. You got yeah. it. Wow, Scott, thank you for bringing Khalil here. What a what a vulnerable, powerful conversation about mindset, about resiliency, about confidence, about overcoming the things that you don't ever think that are going to come your way and being able to go, okay, what do I need to do to shift myself in this, 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 this situation? How can I take leadership for my own health and my healing? And by him going and joining your program is an excellent way because he kept referring to the fact that I'm so glad that I'm in this now because now I have more tools in my toolbox. What are some thoughts that you got from this conversation from him? So what, what I love is this. I love anybody who's bringing value to the world. And so that value is going to create a currency exchange. So while he was saying sometimes he'll be giving away programs for free or doing something you know, for free, what he's doing is he's bringing a really true value. He referenced NASM. So you know, I've got my NASM certification. I used to do boot camps, but it's a very entry level certification so that you can learn this stuff, understand physiology and all that. And then I can teach and do my own stuff. But he's gone deep to really increase his value and figure out a way to truly benefit people just beyond the simple things that too many of us know. And so he's finding the deeper understanding. And then he's doing the same thing from a psychological aspect with my program. And so what I'm seeing is he's creating an amazing value and he's meeting people where they're at. You heard the way he's you know training somebody who's a young girl versus somebody who's a pro athlete. And he gets that. So it's not a one stop fits all for everybody. It's meeting people where they're at. So what I would say as a leader, and we've heard this in some of the other interviews we've done too, bring value to the world, be consistent, have a sense of integrity, which you're seeing with him. And no matter what obstacle you come up with, if you stay with that principle and you stay with your authenticity and your genuineness, you're going to be a leader with or without anything else that's going on around you. 
And so I loved it. I think it was great. Yeah. Yeah. I love that too. And I think, I think when, when I asked him that question, like, you know, what transitioned in your mind when the doctor walked back in and closed the door, he's like, I've got it. And now I'm going right to away. get it. So, and I mean, I think it goes back to one of the big things that I've been helping myself with and helping other people with is just the fact that once we recognize it is what it is, it is what it is. I've got cancer. It is what it is. My truck's leaking oil. It is what it is. You know, my kids having these problems at school. Once we accept the reality of what something is, as opposed to hoping, wishing, and praying that it's something different, we could begin to take action on that and sit there and ask myself the next question. Am I going to be a part of the problem or am I going to be part of the solution? We realize that complaining and bitching about it and blaming is not being a part of the solution. So what can I do actively to find ways to number one, reduce my stress, number two, increase my opportunities to make a difference in the situation that is what it is. And then ultimately have that viewpoint to see the future in such a resilient way. And like he was talking about that, like doing those mindset exercises in the morning, seeing yourself deadlifting that 800 pounds. I wake up every single day and I can see myself walking out on stage, uh, highway to hell's playing. And I'm looking out and everybody's out there going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And behind me, I've got the Ron and scripted logo and I'm ready to whoop ass. And I feel that in my blood. So what we have to do is we have to take that proactive responsibility to have that vision of, of who we are becoming. And that's what you teach so well in the program is like, who am I becoming? Like when we talk about the eulogy exercise, everybody out there listening to this, watching this, go do your eulogy. Because when you have a clear indication of who it is that you are and who it is that you're becoming, you can ask yourself when you're having a shitty day, is this who I want to be remembered for? This is my last day. And this is my last interaction with my wife. Is this how I want them to remember me? What can I do? What can I take responsibility for? How can I better myself mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever it is you believe in? Take that ownership, take that responsibility. Because I think Khalil talked about that in doing our best. You know, that's where the blood, sweat, equity comes in. That's where the that's where the ability to look back on our life and realize, man, I have grown and through all the terrible shit that I've been through. I've survived 100% of it. There's no reason why I'm not going to get through this too and be able to be on the other side to help other people get through it too, like you and I have been. You and I are able to help other people because we've been through some shit in our lives. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. So uh, coming up next week, ladies and gentlemen, by the way, don't forget to go to the unfiltered experience.com www.theunfilteredexperience.com. Go there, check out all our past episodes. I think we're on episodes, something like 140 uh, at this point. So we've done 140 episodes of the unfiltered experience. And we even had a show before called a Friday night live show, which is a fun show we did during COVID, but we've done so many of these conversations. We were doing seasons. Now our last season was who am I and talking about our identity. Now we're talking about leadership. We've done some phenomenal shows. We've had some amazing, amazing guests. Go there, listen to them, watch them and absorb them. And when you start taking action, you take one thing from each one of those episodes. That's that's 140 different things that you can apply in your life. Go there, join the Facebook community as well. Let us know who you would like to see on the show. Like, oh my God, this person would be so great on the Unfiltered Experience. Let us know what you want because we come here and we do this every single week for you and with you. It's a family. It's a community. We call you guys our Unfiltered Crew. Um, So we'll be back again next week, Friday p.m., 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time bringing you the goods and we appreciate and love you guys go out there be brilliant share this episode out if you got value out of it and we know you did but otherwise go out there be brilliant and share your soul with the world because the people need to see that and uh scott and i just appreciate and love you and we'll see you here next time on the unfiltered experience love you guys love you guys peace